Welcome to the 100th episode of the Young Terps Podcast, powered by Viner Forgates. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And isn't it appropriate that the 100th episode is a March Madness special? Yes, it is. This is the 100th episode of the Young Turfs Podcast. Shout out to all of you guys for keeping us going and keep on listening to all 100 episodes of our podcast. And before we get into the Turfs seating in March Madness, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turf Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV, contact Allied today for a free, no-obligation quote at 301-986-0067 or visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, I guess we'll kick it off, as always, with the Terrapin Rundown. Indeed we will. Um, starting things off with the non-rev report, the Lady Terps are awaiting their fate on Selection Monday, which is tomorrow. They're currently projected and pretty safely as a three-seed and will host the first two rounds at Xfinity Center. I guess we're just going to have to wait for tomorrow really to say anything else about that, Mason. Yes, we will. Kerry McCoy, the wrestling coach, is stepping down after 11 seasons. Uh, Maryland gave a statement on this, and I'll, we'll read a part of that now. During his tenure... McCoy guided the Terps to four top 20 finishes at the NCAA championships, three ACC titles, and coached a total of eight Terps to 12 All-American awards while being named ACC Coach of the Year three times. And McCoy's going to step down after the NCAA championships, and the Terps have only one guy that was selected to that field. Gymnastics will play their last match of the season at Towson. And they will play against New Hampshire, Towson, and George Washington again for the third time this season. And they will also play Pitt. Um, tennis played earlier today against Minnesota. Uh, we will get the score for that shortly. And softball, the Maryland Invitational beating UMBC 9-2, Rhode Island 6-4, Bryant 9-2, Villanova 6-5. And the next one is a one-game match against Virginia before Big Ten play starts. Baseball beat Delaware on Wednesday 11-6 and then this weekend, they lost three straight to the number 17th-ranked ECU Pirates. Uh, our second-ranked women's lacrosse team remains undefeated, but so does the number one Boston College Eagles. This week, the Terps beat number six Penn 14-9 to at home and smoked Ohio State 16-1 to in College Park yesterday. Next up, they will travel up to Happy Valley to play the number 20 Penn State Nittany Lions Thursday at 5, and that game will air on ESPNU right up against the, uh, you know, the thing that no one cares about, the NCAA tournament. Well, it's this time of year that lacrosse really gets a lot of airtime on ESPN as there's not much else going on. Women's basketball won't really be in full swing yet. Um, staying on WLAX, Megan Taylor won Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week for the 10th time in her career. Yeah, she's just an amazing goaltender for the Terps. She's played all four years. So she's had a she's been around for quite a while for the women's lacrosse squad. Uh, for the men's lax team, they remain number six in the country after beating Villanova seventeen to seven at home uh, yesterday. It was a really it was a booming offensive performance for the Terps, and goalie Danny Dolan had an amazing game. There's a lot of video up on TerpTalk.com from that game yesterday. 
Next up, the Terps will host former ACC rival North Carolina at home on Saturday at 4, and that game will also be on ESPNU, so two uh, Maryland lacrosse games on ESPNU this week. Yep, uh, just getting back to tennis. Uh, tennis lost to Wisconsin yesterday, 0-4, to and Minnesota earlier today, 6-1. to Next up, they travel to USF on the 23rd, so that's Saturday of next week. Uh, tennis is not doing too hot. They are now 3-8 and eight on the season. Yeah, it's been a rough year for the tennis squad. Swinging back around to lacrosse here, Jared Bernhardt was named to the United States Intercollegiate Lacrosse Association team of the week after a five-goal, three-assist performance against Albany. And all three of Maryland basketball commits in the 2019 class will compete in the, and it's a long one, the DMV Elite Nations Classic All-Star Showcase on April 6th at Wise High School. The Mitchell Twins will play on Team DMV Elite, while Donta Scott will play on Team, wait for it, Jordan, Nation. So that that's, I mean, the name of this is just, it's like you threw everything in there that you could. Yeah, you really did. I know it's weird. Definitely thought it was a mistake earlier, but that is what it's called. It's good to see, though. Hopefully, well, that's the same day as the Final Four, so maybe not, but hopefully someone from Terp Talk can get out there and see our future Terps. Yeah, that's rough up against the Final Four, but hey, you never know. Um, One more thing on the rundown. Forbes listed Maryland basketball as the 13th most valuable program in the country with $23.5 million per year. Uh, somehow they're the sixth in the Big Ten behind Indiana, who is at thirty-three or thirty-five and a half million. My bad. Uh, Ohio State, who is sixth. Illinois, who is number nine, and Wisconsin, who is number ten. Michigan State, number twelve, and Michigan is just behind the Terps at number fifteen. Um, this is pretty surprising. Obviously, Indiana, I'm not surprised about. Ohio State, despite what you think, Jordan, I am not surprised about. Illinois, very surprising. Uh, Wisconsin, not surprised at all. And Michigan State, I mean, is anybody surprised about that? I have no, I I don't know how Ohio State can be six. I really don't. Ohio State is one of the most sought-after athletic departments in the world. Doesn't mean people show up. Have you ever seen one of their games? Like, they don't, they never sell out. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is revenue. But But do you know that? Yes, I do. I to- I keep saying I major in this, and for almost everybody in sports, in-person revenue is still extremely important. And I just don't understand Ohio State. But maybe the tickets be- are sold. And they- maybe they are. For all I know, that's possible. Illinois is truly perplexing to me. I know they're a historical powerhouse, but they've been bad for a long time now. They sell a lot of tickets, and they have a massive premium seating situation in their rebuild of their stadium so that that would surprise me but uh, i'm a big like stadium guy and i know that almost a lot of their lower bowl that's what seems to be filled is all premium uh wisconsin jordan you and i have been there they have a huge stadium that's generally full uh michigan state they're good they have a fifteen thousand five hundred seat stadium that's almost always full and then you have the Terps, who, who fit into this equation. We all know Maryland doesn't sell 17,000, almost 18,000 tickets for all these games. They hover between 12 and 15 for most of them. So it makes sense. I mean, when you look at the big picture, these Big Ten teams 
whether the people show up or not, sell a lot more tickets than Maryland does. Yeah, and I think that shows that Maryland's earning the ceiling is a lot higher than where we are right now. Um, a few. I mean, I would love list. to flip back to the year where Maryland's average attendance was above 17,000, which was the Diamond Stone, Mellow, Robert Carter year, and then compare it to these past two seasons where it's been ridiculously low. I'm sure there's a way to do that. I just don't have the time right now. Um, a couple of the notes on that list, we all have, I'm sure most of us have heard Louisville's number one with almost $55 million in revenue every year, which is which would be the fourth worst in the NBA. There are above three NBA teams in revenue, which is extremely impressive in my opinion. I mean, they play in an NBA venue. That That's, is true. That there, were, there is no NBA team. Yeah, they have a pretty good situation. Kentucky is third. Oh, actually, Kentucky's second, my bad, on the list. So, Kentucky's where you want to be if you're a basketball team, apparently. Yeah, I mean, we both know it's a big basketball state, and you have two big-time teams there. Now, in on the case of all these teams, it doesn't really matter, at least in my opinion. Jordan, I know you know a little a lot more about when it actually comes down to the numbers. It's that there's so much, like, more, I guess, commitment to Kentucky, Louisville, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan State than there is to Maryland. There's so many more people that buy season tickets but don't really show up to the conference games or to only two big games, and Maryland really just doesn't have that. There are so many single-game tickets available that it's really hard to push for someone to want to buy season tickets because they can just, you know, pull out your website or pull out a $5 ticket on StubHub any given night and be in the arena the same place they would be if they had a ticket that was face-valued almost, I don't know, somewhere between 50 and $70 more than what they ended up paying. I mean, if, if I was a casual Maryland fan, there's no way I buy season tickets. There's no way it's worth the investment to me. I think you probably say the same thing, Mason. Just financially speaking, there's no way you could justify buying season tickets at the moment, unless you want. Well, really right now, there's seats. so many reasons why you would not buy Maryland basketball season tickets. You have the opponents. You have these new game times that are ridiculous. I mean, there's not there's not a draw to buying season tickets for Maryland basketball. But that's a topic for another day. We have March Madness to talk about, Jordan. March Madness is my favorite sport time of the year, and I am so jacked to get into this. Um, I don't even know where to start. We can start with Maryland losing to Nebraska, I guess. Yeah, it was not a pleasant start to tournament season for the Terps, who might as well have um, quit playing basketball with the amount of outrage that was um, expressed on all our favorite message boards and Twitter and, you know, you can just point to wherever people talk, there was outrage about Maryland losing to Nebraska. I, we're not going to get really into this. Um, I'm not, I don't even have the box score up yet. It yeah. was just an all-around. There are a few things that you have to get to that don't even, in my opinion, have to do with the game as much, which are the post-game comments. Let's just go there. We all know what happened in the game. It looked like Maryland's effort just wasn't there. They played terribly. Whatever. Now let's focus on what happened after the game. Mark Turgeon stated that his team was not, 
I believe the exact quote is mentally ready to play this game. Or mentally prepared. Something like that. Bruno Fernando gave the same speech that Kevin Herter did one year ago where he said, it's not on Coach Turgeon. We love Coach Turgeon. It was on us. Bruno, Anthony, um, Tomajic, Bender, these guys were all there last year. Morsell, they all saw what happened when they weren't mentally ready to go for a conference tournament game, and they did it again. You know, there's a year like last year where nothing really was going right for Maryland basketball, and then there's one like this, and they're still in the same spot. To me, regardless of what they say, I don't understand how that's not on the coach at this point. I, I think it is. I don't know how it couldn't be. If you have repeating themes like this, then either it's the coach himself or the players the coach recruits. And personally, I don't think it is. I think, at least I don't think it's on the players. I think the Bruno Fernando, <laughs> Anthony Cowan, these guys clearly want to win games. They're very competitive people. I can't see a guy like Ant or Bruno or like even like Sticks or Marcel just giving up like that. So I think you have to put it on the coach at this point. Yeah, it was not pretty to watch. The reactions weren't nice to see. But there's a lot to talk about in the bigger picture of things. It's one of those, and I think I said this about another game or another, you know, a lot of things. It's not necessarily that they lost to Nebraska or the 13 seed or whoever it was. It's the way that it happens. Nebraska, given that they really competed well against Wisconsin and they beat Rutgers, who is a tough team to beat regardless of their record, it's just disappointing to see this happen again. But that's all in the history books. If you have anything else to say, Jordan, drop it now, and then we'll go ahead and move on to one of the more hopeful days of the year. Yep. Uh, the only thing I would add is that this Maryland has not won a final a postseason game since 2016 when they beat, I think it was Hawaii in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Since then, they have not won a Big Ten tournament game or an NCAA tournament game. Yeah, that's a little bit ridiculous. And, you know, you go back and they lost that game against Northwestern at Capital One Arena. Back then it was called Verizon Center, but, you know, the Mellow team lost that game and then they lost to Xavier last year. We all know what happened at MSG. And then, well... Let's go ahead and talk about what could happen this year. Maryland will take on, as a six seed, an 11 play-in game between two tough teams, one being the 23-9 and Temple Owls, and the other being, I believe it's the 25-6 and Belmont. Are they the Bears? Or are they a specific they were, kind of bear? I think they're like the Sun Bears or something. I will look it up. But, yeah, on the whole, let's just give our thoughts on the overall bracket as a whole. Yeah, uh, Maryland gets placed in where I really, really wanted to see them. Now, a while ago, obviously, we were talking about, you know, Maryland being able to snag a four or a five in the East region, which they still are in, and Duke being able to take that one seed, which they did, and seeing that Sweet 16 Maryland-Duke matchup in Capital One Arena. And it is the Belmont Bruins, I have. Yeah, I looked it up, too. So... I'm glad that they are placed one in Jacksonville, two in this East region where it could have a magical Sweet 16 game at Capital One Arena. Overall, it's where I wanted to see them. 
it's about as high as I thought they could go, given the current standings and the bid steals and the teams that just need to be jammed. The teams that kind of got pushed, I guess, up in seeding because of the Oregon and um, Murray State. And, you know, you can just go down the list of the bid-stealing teams, which there were quite a few of. I think the sixth seed was very appropriate, and I love the region that they're in. Yeah, on the whole, this may be the toughest bracket in... I I don't think you can say that. Uh, Maybe say the West, actually. The West is impossible, Jordan. The West is a deadly bracket. That is the Gonzaga one seed one, so they'll keep throw it home. And... Yeah, that's that's Gonzaga, Michigan. Who's a three there? Texas well, you can Tech. just keep going. You can have yeah. in that bracket, Jordan, you have Gonzaga, Syracuse, Marquette, Murray State, Florida State, Buffalo, uh, Arizona State, or St. John's, Texas Tech, Nevada, Florida, and Michigan. You got to throw, uh, throw Vermont in there as an upset possibility. I was going too, to. I, I was going to throw Vermont in there, but in the interest of time, I mean – that's the one where you have, I think Northern Kentucky won 28 games this year. Vermont won 27. Murray State has an NBA lottery pick. Syracuse is always dangerous in March. So when you look at it, you can't say the East is the most challenging. Of course, the East, Jordan, it could have both of your teams as the NDSU Bison are um, taking on the 16 playing game, which I'm sure you're heated about because you thought they were going to be a 14 seed. That was probably a little bit optimistic. Um, I see. I had actually got to Selection Sunday late. I DVR'd it, put, turned my phone in airplane mode, and got in late. So I got finally got back at like six thirty my time. So so then watch the game, or actually five thirty my time, and I was like, okay, let's see, let's see where NDSU and Maryland end up, and then immediately NDSU shows up. I was like, oh, all right. Well, at least I can wait for Maryland, but no, nope. <laughs> that was the next screen. So the yep. defense was taken out for me pretty early. Yeah, it was as it was for everybody. Uh, I liked it more than when Maryland, I think they were the last team in or announced when they played Xavier last time. I know it was really late and it was either the last or the next to last one. But, yeah, moving on here, Maryland's east region. Duke is the one seed. There's a play-in for the 16 seed. VCU uh, is the eight. UCF is the nine, Mississippi State, Liberty, Virginia Tech, St. Louis, Maryland, Belmont, or Temple, LSU, Yale, Louisville, Minnesota, Michigan State, and Bradley. So, let's just talk about Maryland's pod first off. Uh, If Maryland can escape this first round, which is going to be tough, both Temple and Belmont are both bringing their own challenges to the table. They get a fairly good draw. The three-seed LSU was in turmoil after their coach was indefinitely suspended and will most likely be fired for... He got caught up in the FBI scandal, right, Jordan? Yeah, he got wiretapped paying an agent to pay a player. LSU is just a mess right now. And Yale, which is a tough matchup for LSU in itself. They dominated the Ivy League championship earlier today where they beat Harvard. They got up above close to 100 points. But I'm, I'm thinking that if Maryland can escape their first matchup, LSU does give the Terps probably the easiest out of any of the three seeds um, that were announced. 
absolutely the easiest three seed, but I actually think Yale might win that game. Yeah, I so, think, well, before well. we talk about that, let's go ahead and talk about Belmont or Temple. I feel like I've, I've had this conversation before when we were talking about Nebraska or Rutgers. It's really hard to talk about because, frankly, I think Belmont will win, but it's a very much a toss-up game. Uh, well, Belmont, they were talking about this on the selection show, I'm sure a lot of you saw, but Belmont was an at-large bid at the Ohio Valley Conference. Now, a lot of people like myself who think that the NCAA often snubs in major schools was worried they were not going to make it in, even though they deserved it, absolutely, in my opinion. And I'm thrilled they were in there in the first place. I just really wish they weren't playing us. Yeah, they're a dangerous team. Um, they were the one seed, the regular season champs, or they shared the regular season championship with Murray State this year, and then they were the one seed who ended up falling in the championship game of the Ohio Valley to Murray State. Um, their leader in points is Dylan Windler, who averages 21.4 a game. He also he actually averages a double-double. He averages 21 and 10. It's a pretty solid lineup. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I do not like either of these matchups for Maryland. We'll talk about Temple in a second, but first... Yeah, Belmont's got like a guy who gets 21 and 10 from a guard position. I do not like that for Maryland. No, Ohio, the Ohio Valley is one of the tougher mid-major conferences, and Belmont was the best of them this year. I know John Morant at um, Murray State got a lot of attention, and rightfully so, as he was just, he still is a fantastic player. But the fact of the matter is that. Dylan Windler was the runner-up for Ohio Valley Player of the Year. They're just a good team. They're well-rounded. They only lost, what was it? What do you say, Mason? I think it's five games. games. Yeah, they're 26-5. and I just, I would be lying to say I wasn't worried about beating them. They only lost at Purdue early in the season by 11 points. Like, this is a good team. Yeah, and let's go ahead and move to Temple here. Of course, they're coached by long-time uh, head man Fran Dumphy. I believe this is his last season. Yes, he is retiring after this season, and he is a great coach, in my opinion. He, yeah, he is a really good coach. He is 580 and 323, so he's coached what is that, Jordan? Upwards of 900 college basketball games, starting his coaching career in 1971 with Army. Uh, he coached high school basketball at Malvern Prep, which is a big-time prep school up in, um, I believe it's in Pennsylvania. Uh, then he coached LaSalle, American, back to LaSalle, Penn, and then he finally became a head coach in, at Penn in 1989. To 2006, and then he took the Temple job, and he's been there ever since. A lot of accomplishments, a longtime guy, a really smart head coach, and he's he's topped the Terps a few times. Indeed, he has. You remember in 2008 when we played them, Mason? No, I don't. I remember when we played them in the early 2010s at the Palestra and got wiped. Yeah, that was amazing just to go to Palestra and see a game there. But I was talking about in 2008 when um, Maryland was still. Was probably higher regard than we were now. And we played at Temple, 
in the middle of the season, and they beat us and stormed the floor at their arena. But this couple teams a good one. They have Shiz Alston, who is a first-team all-conference guard in the AAC. Quentin Rose is the center. He's second-team all-conference. But the first half, the bench mason, is a person who I know you've been enamored with for a long time. Yes, it is. It has to be Devontae Perry, Jordan. Indeed, it is. Four points a game, three three rounds a game, and 20 minutes every night for him. Yeah, he's a do-it-all guy. I mean, I I constantly love to mention him when it comes to when we talk about Jalen Smith. Um... Other than that, I mean, a really solid team finished third in the American Athletic Conference, which, as we know, is an up-and-down league. But it has it's had some major competition with uh, Houston, Cincinnati, you know, Temple, UCF. They've had a few tournament teams this year. But when it comes down to it, either way, it's a tough matchup for Maryland. Yes, it is. And I, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for March Madness. I don't even know where to start talking next, but let's let's say it straight up before we get to the rest of the field. Do you think we're gonna win this game, Mason? I do think they win this game. I think, um, despite what a lot of people are saying, let's be honest. When Maryland is at a very low point in the Mark Turgeon era, when they've lost a few games, when they're struggling to to collect themselves. They generally come back and win a game. Like the Minnesota game. A lot of people thought they were just going to completely unravel and lose out. But they won that game. I think I like this more than anything else. You're talking about a team that's going to have to play Tuesday and then Thursday. We're talking about a team that people expect to beat Maryland, which I also I think plays to the benefit of Maryland. And we're talking about a team that, like it or not, they might have won a lot of games, but Maryland's a, a very tough team to play against. Turgeon might not be the best coach, but he's put together a roster that is tough to play against, and let's face it, it's win or go home. Win or you're finished. I know we just played a win or go home event, but this is win or or your season's done. You're finished. This group of guys will not play again. Think you're going to get a guy like Bruno Fernando that's playing in his last few games with the Terps that's going to be really, you know, realizing that this is it. This is your last chance. I think that all plays to the benefit of Maryland. That's why I think they will win this game. Well, I think that's said it pretty well. Um, however, you, how much of the show did you watch, Mason? I saw the bracket reveal, and then, you know, I heard Seth Davis say that he thinks Belmont's a Sweet 16 team, but Seth Davis is not a big Maryland guy. He's a Duke guy. That said, I think it's possible. I really, I think Belmont's going to beat Temple, and I think Belmont has legs in this tournament. I kind of agree with him. I don't like betting against Maryland, especially in the tournament, because I really want us to play in D.C. I want to play in D.C. so badly. I think if they make it to D.C., regardless of, you know, what you really think about Maryland, a home venue, Sweet 16. And I love how Seth Davis was talking about all of these other teams, you know, if they make it to the Sweet 16 or, you know, look at where they are in the first round geography. He didn't talk about Maryland. He thinks Maryland's done. 
and I'm kind of on board with him. I don't think Maryland's a Sweet 16 team. If they can make it out of the first round, they have a really nice draw for that second round game. But if Maryland can make it to the Sweet 16, I think they could end up in that Final Four. I'm not saying that they will, but when you get to the Sweet 16 playing in a home venue, especially if it's Maryland-Duke, you know what kind of venue that's going to be. There's I, just... I, can, we, can we get back on topic here, Mason? You're going like two weeks ahead. I know, but you, you brought it up. I know, but I was getting to my prediction. And getting back to that, I think that Belmont would beat Maryland. I think we could beat Temple. I think if... You see, Temple... Think, go ahead. Temple, and I didn't really... I was just talking about them both in general. Temple has the same Nebraska thing going on. They have it's this, that's it for their coach. He's going, he's retiring. This is it. He's a really loved figure in that Philadelphia area, especially by Temple. So for Belmont and for Maryland, that you have to play against. That's a different element because you know they're going to be playing for him. You know this is it. It's one of those things, like a lot like Tim Miles, like we just saw, where they made a push and they almost beat Wisconsin too. There, there. It's it's that kind of. That's this is it. Here it is. Let's play for coach. You know, let's get them, you know, to a Sweet Sixteen, something they can really, you know, go out with a bang on. So you're playing against that one too. And I think that's a fair point to make that Fern Dunphy, who is such a beloved figure in Philadelphia basketball, is heading out after this game. But I also think that if Temple can take out Belmont for us, that would be a big deal because I don't like how we match up against Belmont. If, like I said, I don't, I think it's, it's so easy to pick us for an upset. If I was just a fan of, like, I don't know, Utah State picking a bracket, I think I would absolutely pick whoever we play instead of us. But since I'm a Maryland fan, I'll give it a toss-up. And I know that's copping out, but I'm going to say this really could go either way, but I'm going to pick Maryland just because I never pick Maryland, and it's I want this so badly. This is an interesting thing that – and we're not really I, – I, we're not going to talk about the um, second round that much. I think we're going to do another show. We will do another show, especially if Maryland wins – um, about that. And if the season's over, you know what? This is one where you can really guarantee it. There will be a show in the between period. This is, um, if Maryland can make it out of this first round, I think they have a great chance to make it to DC to that sweet 16. Cause we, we already hit on it. LSU's in a really bad place. They've been going downhill somewhat. They lost that game to Florida in the SEC tournament. They lost, uh, I think they lost a few at the end of the season ever since their head man left. And Yale's a tough team too. But I think Maryland, if they can escape this first round, which was a really tough game against Temple and or Belmont, we can be in pretty good position to be seeing the Terps in the Sweet 16. Um, okay, so that kind of covers Maryland for now. What are So who do you think... Let's pick your Elite Eight, Nathan. Just real quick, pick your Elite Eight. Well, I don't want to give it away. Of course, we do have the Terp Talk Bracket Challenge this year. Both young Terps will be participating in it. Of course, Bruce and Wayne 
will also be on there on the um, bracket challenge. And for more details on that, they'll be coming out shortly on TurfTalk.com. So I'm kind of, I think you might be scheming, Jordan. Well, I'll go first then to make you feel better. Um, in the East, our division, I'm going to say Duke and Michigan State for a super heavy hitting Elite Eight in D.C. I'm going to pick Duke as the team out of our bracket. Um, the West, oh man, the West is hard to pick. I'm going to say Florida State versus Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. And I'm going to pick Texas Tech to come out. Uh, Mason, how about you pick the other two and we'll kind of meet in the middle here. Yeah, um, I'll start off with the Midwest. I think... I'm going to have to take the one and the two in here for that, which is of UNC and Kentucky. I think Kentucky will make it to the final four. And then up top in the south, I think my Elite Eight game, it's going to sound a little bit crazy. I think Wisconsin makes it to the Elite Eight. I think it's going to be Wisconsin and, I don't know, Jordan, either Cincinnati or Villanova, the seven or the six, and kind of um that one upset bracket. But I think... I think Villanova is going to make it back to the Final Four. I know they're weak this year. To me, it's almost a first round out for Villanova, or they make it to the Elite Eight. I really don't know what to say. I think that Tennessee really got a bad draw, though, playing in Columbus against uh, what either will be Cincinnati or Iowa, which, in my opinion, will definitely be Cincinnati. How did Cincinnati end up as a seven seed? I think they were, to be honest, I would have had them as a six or a five. I would have leaned towards six. They just they didn't play a great schedule. Um, but I don't know. There are some things, you know. I saw a team like UC Irvine, and a thirteen is kind of that max out for a team like UC Irvine. I couldn't believe it when I saw that they were thirty and five. That's thirty five regular season and conference tournament games, and they're not even a big league. I mean, I just thought that was a little bit ridiculous. Some of these teams, I mean, these mid-majors, they win a lot of games. They might not be tough games, but they win a lot of them. Um, okay, just some more points here. Um, what do you think of Buffalo, the 6-seed 31-3 Buffalo Bulls? Now, down in the West, I think Michigan goes down in the second round. Um, I think you have two teams, Nevada and Buffalo. I know you wanted me to talk about Buffalo. Buffalo is a really good team. I think they can push Texas Tech. Texas Tech is playing some great basketball right now, though. They did lose in the uh, Big 12 tournament. I'm forgetting to who. It wasn't. It was. It was West Virginia, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And that was a shocking, absolutely shocking game to me. Yeah, so I don't know what. Because the way that I see a loss like that, it's almost similar to Maryland's. It either pushes you and propels you or it demoralizes you. In the case of Texas Tech, I think it's going to push them. But Buffalo and Nevada could end up being that Sweet 16 matchup there. I think Nevada's got a lot going on for them. Of course, we all know about Buffalo. They've beaten Syracuse. They've beaten you know, a number of really good teams this year. I think the West has a ridiculous, as I already mentioned earlier, a ridiculous amount of good teams and upset bids. But they have those those sneaky ones, like a Syracuse in that eight spot. We all know how good Syracuse can be in the tournament. In the terms of Buffalo, I think I might have to pick them in my Sweet 16. All right, I've got a couple more teams here, then we're going to talk about some matchups. So you don't have a lot of faith in Purdue and Matt Painter in the three seed, do you? 
No. I think they'd push uh, ODU out. I think they'd get to that second round. Nova, though, Nova's been there. They're a tournament team. Purdue, on the other hand, is... They just never perform well in the tournament. I don't know what it is. But, hey, maybe they will this year. Maybe they'll make it to the Elite Eight, finally. It's just really hard for me to say. Just They're so based on one guy that I think a coach like Jay Wright is just a bad matchup for them. But, hey, they've won, you know, I think it's 10 in the last 12. Um, okay, one more team, which is a team I know you hate talking about, but the number one seed, Duke. Look, let's not sugarcoat it. Duke's got a trio of three great freshmen, Reddish, Barrett, and Zion Williamson. They get a pretty easy draw. I don't think VCU or UCF can challenge them. UCF's played some good ball this year. I don't know much about VCU, but they made it as an at-large team, as an eight seed, so that gives them some credit. Uh, they got a pretty easy road, but watch out for that Sweet 16 game against Virginia Tech because we're all talking about how Maryland could have a home advantage in the Sweet 16. So could Virginia Tech against Duke, and Virginia Tech has already beaten Duke this season. Yeah, a lot of people are highlighting that one. Even though um, that game was without Zion Williamson in it, I think Virginia Tech is just a fantastic team. They're coached by a really good coach in Buzz Williams, who I would really love if Maryland was going to make a change to look at him. But, you know, as easy it is as it is to see Duke going down in the Sweet 16, it's really easy to see them as the national champion. Uh, one uh, Another point here, three ACC teams in the top four seeds. Yeah, I, I really thought Tennessee deserved a one seed. I got to say that. I think they should have gotten it instead of UNC or Gonzaga, two teams that they beat pretty handedly. I thought that I was a little bit disappointed in the committee on that, not you know looking at the head-to-heads, even though they were back in um, November and October. It doesn't matter. Teams get better, especially these young teams, but you beat them. I think that that was missing a little bit with Tennessee. Um, I know if they won today against Auburn, which they got whacked by, in the SEC Championship, they probably would have gotten that one seed. But, you know, it is what it is. They, they The committee loves themselves some UNC and um, Gonzaga. So, it happened that way. The cards fell, but, you know, it's March, so anything can happen. Um, and my last one is, what are your dream Elite Eight matchups? What games in the Elite Eight would you say, oh my god, that'd be so much fun to watch? I mean, I think this is a national perspective. I think that a lot of people will miss it. I think Maryland Duke in Capital One Arena is a game that if you talk to a lot of college basketball experts, they want to see. It, it will just bring back so much of those Rockets environments that were always, you know, in the primetime slot of Wednesday at 9 o'clock uh, in Xfinity Center. It will just bring a little bit of that back. I think a lot of people want to see that game. Um... And I think a lot of people will want to see, um, in the Elite Eight, I, I really don't think there's a matchup that anybody would be in love with. I think a lot of people would want to see Tennessee and Virginia in the South as the Elite Eight game. That's the one against the two. Just two brutal, tough teams that would really match up well against each other. Um, on the bottom half, I think a lot of people really want to see the Blue Buds, UNC, and Kansas first. Even though Kansas looks weak, I don't think they're going to make it out of the first weekend. I think Auburn will take them, but I think a lot of people would love to see that 
Kansas-North Carolina matchup, and then, of course, in the Elite Eight, Kentucky and North Carolina. And then the West. Give me any of these teams against each other, honestly. They're all really good. They're all highly thought of. The only team that I really want to go down to make the matchups better is Baylor. I really want to see Syracuse and Gonzaga. I think those are some good ones. Um, I think Maryland Duke would be perfectly great. I would not. I'd be upset Maryland lost, but I would not be upset to see Maryland. I'm sorry, Duke Michigan State play. I think that'd be a great game. I think you'd agree with that one, Mason. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a pretty good one. I was gonna mention that just when I was looking at it when I was talking about how a lot of people would love to see Maryland Duke, but you know, we're we're biased. We're we're we want to see that Maryland Duke game. Um, I think in terms of coaching matchups, I think. Tony Bennett's Virginia versus Jay Rakes Villanova would be a lot of fun to see. Uh, as you said, Kentucky, North Carolina would be great. I don't know why, but I really want to see Syracuse versus Michigan in the Elite Eight in the West region. I don't really love Syracuse, but I think that game would be fun. To that watch. would be a hideous uniform combination. Yes, it would. But I, I don't Actually, know why. Virginia is really appealing to me. In the West, I would love to see... Vermont against Murray State or Nevada against Buffalo? Ah, oh, man, I really think Buffalo could actually win the West. Just because of how brutal that whole bracket is, I think you, you could see them slipping out. I don't think so. I think they can push the Elite Eight, but I don't think they get out. One more thing before we go tonight. This is the 100th episode of the Young Terps podcast, formerly known as the Terp Talk podcast. It's just been it's been great to have our own show about our Maryland Terrapins. Of course, uh, we've gone we've gone a, a long way from new equipment to sponsorships to um, really focusing in on Maryland as our topic. We've grown a lot through these uh, 100 episodes, and here's to 100 more. And of course, we have to thank uh, Bruce and Wayne for giving us this opportunity to have our own show and coming on. Uh, guests Don Marcus, Dave LaMonaco, Todd Carton, Bruce Posner. You know, the list just goes on and on of great guests that we've had gotten to have on this podcast. And, yeah, here's to 100 more. And, of course, we got to thank our sponsors, Allied Prairie Rentals, Maryland Yard Cards, Vinyl Four Gates, for supporting our journey here. Um, there could be a lot more podcasts in the next three weeks if Maryland gets hot. And I really hope... We can beat whoever we play. And don't be surprised for you gamblers out there if Maryland ends up on as the um, underdog in some of these matchups. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see that e- either. Um, it's been what, Jordan, two and a half years? Since what? Since we started the podcast, Jordan. One and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one and a half years that's taken us to get to 100 episodes. And yeah, let's see it. Go Terps. Beat the, um, I'll call them the Bowels, the Bears or the Owls. Oh, man, I guess we're going to have to ch- watch Belmont versus Temple. That's on Tuesday. And then I got to watch North Carolina State versus NC Central. That's on Wednesday. But Thursday is Maryland Day. So I better not be in class when that game is on. I better not have, like, lacrosse practice when that game's on. Um,. um. Yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of the Young Turfs Podcast. As always, we would like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates and Rockville. For all of your business IT needs, Viner Four Gates is the call to make. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web 
at the number one, Viner.com. Ally Party Rentals for all of your tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories. For any size party, Ally Party Rentals is the place to go. And if you are looking to service your European car, look no further than Maryland Euro Cars for Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys, and all other European makes. Maryland Euro Cars is a place to go for five-star service. You can reach Christian at 301-217-5831. That's Christian at Maryland Euro Cars. And make sure to tell them that the Young Terps sent you. Go Terps. Beat Belmont. Beat Temple. Beat whoever happens to be on the floor on Thursday. It's March. It's time for the madness. And as always, thanks for listening.